Legacy Maker, the All Sports Network, presents a Sertoba Media production where the struggle is real to be awesome. Five, four, three, two. The wait is over. Are you giving it to Dale Earnhardt Jr. because he piggybacked off of his dad's name? The because only difference is because there was a junior at the end and not a yes, senior. Yes, yes, and, okay. because, and because and because the, 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 the fact is, point where, oh my God, <laughs> I had Miami Heat winning last night. I was, I was upset too when they lost. This with you because of the fact of what you Get your popcorn ready. It's time for the In or Out Sports Debate with your hosts, James Brown of the Legacy Maker Sports Network and Drew Willingham. Hello, everyone. We are live with episode 45 of the In or Out Sports Debate. I'm your host, Drew Willingham, here for Double Debate Tuesday this evening. The second part of that being episode 45 with a returning guest. He is also a member of the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Give it up for Mr. James Brown. James, welcome back to the show, brother. What's going on, Drew? Thanks for having me back, man. Glad to be here. Looking forward to having another great show. Same here, my man. Definitely been looking forward to this one. 45 episodes now in the books almost, but we're working on it. We've got 44 uh, earlier today with uh, Mr. Snowman, Brian Snow. Right now we are at episode 45, but with that being said, just like every single episode previously, we have to acknowledge the Vault of Fame. Acknowledge me. this show was so important and this is why i am personally validating and vouching for this show if if you are anybody in media sports professional wrestling anything you need to be on in or out sports debate with my man drew willingham that right there is the vault of fame acknowledging the previous episodes here on the in or out sports debate and we also need to go ahead and acknowledge the handles as well that we are on. The Legacy Maker Sports Network's Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, as well as the LinkedIn channel, as well as soon to come the TikTok channel as well. We also have the Inner Out Sports Debate handles, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch, as well as the audio platforms listed here on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Prime, Anchor.fm, and you can also download on iTunes. We are here for episode 45. Myself, Drew Willingham, and Mr. James Brown. Champagne Jimmy's back in the house here for episode 45. Been looking forward to it today, my man. Let's go ahead and kick this thing into round one. Round one. Here with round one, the lack of a fully guaranteeing contract for Russell Wilson is a win for the NFL. 
How do you feel about this, James? Are you in or are you out on this one? From an owner's perspective, I'd say I'm in. Okay. So, yeah, man, from an owner's perspective, the fact that the last two quarterbacks to sign new deals, that their contracts have not been fully guaranteed, it's a great look for owners. Um, you know, while they have the means, more than likely, nobody's really trying to sign over that check and write it in the escrow to make sure that all that money they do guarantee is left there. Um, what In the Browns' case with Deshaun Watson, you know, he got five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. But Cleveland's owners, the Haslam's, they actually will have to write that check out in the escrow for the coming years to make sure that money's there and untouched. Um, and while most owners might be able to do that, they may not want to do that. Um, it may not be the direction they're looking to move forward to. Um, so I'll say the fact that we've seen two more quarterbacks sign for lack of a fully guaranteed deal. I mean, it's great for them. They're still getting their guys under contract. They're still able to pay their guys the money of an average quarterback in today's league, but if they're not able to fully guarantee it. It's a win-win. So, yeah, I feel like it's good for them. I agree. I'm in on this as well. Let's break down Russell Wilson's uh, care, uh, contract for a second. When you really think about everything, and he, he's, he's locked up through 2028. I mean, when you put it all on paper, his base salary for this year is $2 million with a $10 million signing bonus, as well as $8 million next year. So he's only going to hit for another $6 million next year, as well as another $10 million signing. So for the next five seasons, he does actually get a $10 million signing bonus each year. And the salary goes up, but over the course of the next four seasons, mainly over the course of the next three seasons from 2022, 2023, and 2024, he has no more than a $27 million cap hit on this actual team. So when you think about all that, he's giving you room to spend on other talent to lock them up so that way they can actually make a run in the playoffs. Very similar to how Peyton Manning did it in that kind of structure back when he did it over a decade ago. But when you know the, the contract negotiations Negotiations were pretty different back when Peyton Manning came to, to, to Denver at that point. It's still a similar circumstance as far as how he got there. The other team didn't really want him too much, and he he ends up getting there and then signing an extension. But the contract details of everything as far as how Peyton did it with Denver before and to how Russ is doing now, completely different scenario. But for today's contract status and for the NFL, so that way negotiating for possibly Lamar Jackson might be a little bit easier. But I think Deshaun Watson's contract might still hurt that a little bit. Well, I definitely feel like Lamar is going to push for that fully guaranteed deal from the Baltimore Ravens. On the Ravens' ownership with Steve Bashotti, he's been adamant in saying that he's not going to do a fully guaranteed deal. So I think they might have to land somewhere in the sweet spot where there's a set number that's fully guaranteed when there's money on the back end as well for Lamar to still earn and work towards. I feel like that's something they'll probably hopefully get to before Sunday's games. Uh, Lamar's also mentioned that, you know, come week one, contract talks are shut down for the season. He's focused on playing ball there'll be no more contract talks. So I'm hoping they get something done prior to week one. If not, we'll see if they can get something done in the offseason. Or if he breaks his rule and maybe get something done to midway point, we'll have to wait and see. But I'll definitely say that Russell Wilson, he's a smart guy. So I'm pretty sure when they were going over the numbers, working this out, he probably realized, look, I've been top paid before. I've been one of the highest paid guys. Along with that, I want to win. And I don't just want to win games. I want to win titles. So he's kind of going a little bit into that Tom Brady will, where it's like, look, I'll sacrifice some money on the front end 
if it means you put a team around me, I'm able to win championships with, because we know you can always make that money up off the field when you're a champion, you know, whether it be endorsement deals, other deals in the city. I mean, he's in Denver now, but Walton's now on the Broncos. I'm pretty sure there's some lucrative opportunities there that um, he could be persuaded into or, you know, let in on now that um, he's kind of helped scratch their back. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but I'll say it's a great deal for Denver. It's a great deal for Russell. Hopefully it works out. He came so close to having back-to-back Super Bowls. He was that one throwaway from having back-to-back Super Bowls. He's been itching ever since that moment. It's just Seattle couldn't fully keep that team around. The next year they were okay, but after that Super Bowl alone, they lost key talent that got them there. And he hasn't been able to fully recover in Seattle since, which is why he's now in Denver. And I really like how the contract is stated so that way that he can get some help in Denver over the course of the next two to three seasons to potentially go on a run by years three, four, or five and then go out kind of like how Peyton Manning did. Hopefully a little bit better than Peyton Manning did, not as ugly, because that last season that Peyton Manning played, he definitely looked 40 years old. But that's a story for another day, and not for this one for Russell Wilson, because he didn't earn that kind of talk for him. He definitely has earned his good talk, and I definitely commend him for doing what's right for the league, and hopefully Lamar Jackson follows that lead at some point. But with that being said, let's go ahead and take this into round two. Round two. With round two, we'll go ahead and kick it into NBA and talk about some offseason moves. And with this, the Boston Celtics have made the best offseason moves for this upcoming NBA season. With that being said, how do you feel about this, James? Are you in or are you out with this? I'm in. So, yeah, I'm definitely in on this one. I mean, I feel like with Celtics, really what they were able to do was basically take the squad they already have and add better pieces around it. I mean, sure, they lost Daniel Tice. Um, looks like they lost Aaron Naismith, Nick Stauskas, um, Juwan Morgan, and Malik Fitz. If you don't know who those people are, don't worry. Not many of us do. Um, they were clearly just rotational guys that they work in and out of the lineups. Um, if you did watch any of the Celtics postseason games, um, you might remember um, Daniel Tice. He went off in game one of the finals, um, but that was pretty much it. But when you look at who they were able to bring in, they were able to get guys like Malcolm Brockton and the trade from um, Indianap from Indiana. They were able to bring in Danilo Gallinari, signing him as a free agent, another shooter, a guy who can play on the wing, but also maybe compete with some of those bigs down low, shoot the ball as well. Luke Cornett, um, another big, I believe, that's got a shooting touch from outside as well. So they really just brought in guys that will help elevate what their core guys do as well as also, you know, Three and D guys. That's what the NBA has kind of turned into. You need those guys on your team that are able to shoot the three ball, play defense as well. So I feel like they got better in those areas this offseason. If the guys stay healthy, these new additions come along. I mean, I don't know. We could see Boston possibly going on another run. I mean, it all depends on how the rest of the East shakes up. You know, I felt like they caught a couple breaks last season, especially with Middleton being out for Milwaukee. Um, but you never know, man. This could be their year. They could catch fire. Yeah, they they have proven, you know, within the last few years that they are definitely a pretty good team in the NBA East. You know, it definitely I, I would have to agree with this as well. James, I'm in on this as well. 
when you think about the moves that they made, the biggest one, like James said, Malcolm Brogdon. Now, last year, he he did dip in his percentage a little bit. As far as minutes, he played one less minute in the entire, you know, it, he played 34 and a half minutes in 2020 for the Pacers, nearly 20 minutes last year, but was down to 19.1. When you really think about all that stuff, as far as his his time that he spent there, well, actually, no, my apologies, that was his points. He was down just one point, so 33 minutes instead of 34. His points, though, went down as far as per game he was at 21 points and it went down to 19 points a game so his production was less as far as is being in boston he just needs to be a role player when it comes to when he plays he doesn't really have to worry about being the guy so 19 20 points a game actually would work out pretty well for these guys in boston because it's not like they lost big pieces and they actually had to fill them because all the names that you listed they you know, besides Malcolm Brogdon, there was nobody really a big value that they really lost or gained during this entire offseason. So he was the big essential piece, plus the 2023 first round pick that they moved, you know, within that uh, within that um, trade as well. So with everything that they acquired, not just now, but for the future, I really like what Boston did this offseason. And besides Lakers getting Patrick Beverly, there hasn't really been a whole lot of noise within the NBA transactionals. I don't know, man. You might have missed out then. Uh, you know Donovan Mitchell's in Cleveland now. Uh, I forgot about that with him going to Cleveland. Oh, yeah. You know, like, That's you know. another thing, too, that did slip my mind. Because with that being said, do you think that was a move <clears> to try <throat> to get LeBron at some point, even though he just signed the two-year extension? Man, it's tough to say because LeBron has kept it open that, you know, he'd be willing to go back. Um, but we know he doesn't like necessarily playing with young guys. But maybe by the time his contract would be up and he is an eligible free agent again, you know, that's what, two, three years down the road, the guys will have a little bit more age on them. They'll be solid vets. Maybe he could sign for maybe the vet minimum if he's into that. But he's kept it open. We could possibly see LeBron, Cleveland, Chapter 3. But I'm not holding my breath. I'm not going to hold my breath and wait. But if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, you know, it just it, it would take some time. He'd have to finish that extension, so I believe – with the extension, he's good through not just this season, but the two seasons following that as well. So technically the next three seasons, he's locked up in L.A. By that point, if my calculations are right, that's when Bronny would be in the NBA mm-hmm. if he does make it that far. With Besides finishing high school and then doing the one year in the in college, I feel like that's that's how it's calculated. So he wants to stay in L.A. to make movies and you know get the exposure and get the endorsements is what he wants to do with LeBron, but – who knows what happens after that? Donovan Mitchell would have to still play for three full seasons without LeBron being there, and a lot can happen in three seasons. So we'll, it, it, a lot we'll have to tell before we go to see that. But with all that being said, we do have some breaking news to cover on this episode. That breaking news is this. Next Monday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, Darrell Owens of the Legacy Maker Sports Network returns for episode 46, as well as the next Tuesday, the day after that, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Raphael Haynes of the three-point conversion, Mr. Controversy, will be here next Tuesday, 9.13, the date, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, the time here. On the Inner Out Sports Debate, James, we are here, though, in episode 45 We've gone through two rounds so far. With that being said, let's go ahead and take this into round three. Round three. And here with round three, 
the Chargers have eight players on the NFL Top 100 ranking and still won't make it to this year's Super Bowl. How do you feel about that? Are you in or are you out on that? I'm in. Man, I mean, the AFC is just a gauntlet right now. I mean, of teams to go through, not to mention the Chargers' own division. They have to make it through the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, this was a division where you could honestly argue everybody could possibly win double-digit games, um, where all four teams you could possibly even argue could make the playoffs, where the three teams that don't win would be the wild cards, and, like, nobody would argue with that. Um, it's going to be a long, tough road for them. I mean, they have the pieces. They got the quarterback and Justin Herbert. They got two edge rushers and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. They got Derwin James on the back end and safety, but then they also have um, J.C. Jackson. They just got from the Patriots in the offseason um, with Asante Samuel Jr. He's been playing well. So the Chargers have pieces, not to mention on offense. You know, they got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. I mean, they have the guys. It's just going to be, you know, are they going to be able to make it out of their own division? Are they going to be able to make it out of the conference? I feel like right now the competition elsewhere in the AFC is tough. I mean, you got to think, like I said, you got to make it through your division, but then you also got teams like Baltimore, um, the Bills. They're right now the AFC favorite, Super Bowl favorite for a lot of people. So it's going to be a tough gauntlet for them to run through, man, to try to make it to the Super Bowl. But it'll be exciting to see, but I don't think it happens quite yet. Yeah, um, I definitely have to agree with this one, too. I'm in on this as well. Eight players on that top 100, guys. There's a lot of people. Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley, Austin Eckler, Derwin James, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Joey Boza, and J.C. Jackson. So you've got members on both sides of the ball that made that top 100. However, there's other teams within the AFC like the Buffalo Bills are my pick to go to the Super Bowl this year. If you were to go through all the scheduling and to have my pick right now before week one starts, that's my rough pick. Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. Don't have them winning quite yet, but I can at least say throughout the picking, I have Buffalo Bills at least making it to the Super Bowl. Don't have the Chargers. Even though with those top 100 picks, with those eight guys, Rashawn Slater has already established himself as an elite player at this position of left of left tackle. As a rookie, he had a Pro Bowl selection and was named a second-team All-Pro, so he was a beast. Corey Lindsley was arguably the best center in the league last year. He also takes a lot of pressure off of Justin Herbert, and he's one of the leaders on the team, so that's definitely a big help, so that will help potentially down the road, but not right this second. Austin Eckler is, you know, he's the running back that's been like your workhorse over the past, you know, few, few seasons. He's huge for you. Derwin James, a safety, big for the defense. Herbert is definitely coming to his own as a leader for this team and has been second in the NFL in passing yards by, behind only Thomas Edward Patrick Brady II, who's thrown for 93-50 in passing yards and 69 touchdowns in his first two seasons, which is which nobody else in, in NFL history has done that. So when you put all that into perspective as far as the those eight people, Keenan Allen at wide receiver, Joey Boza at defensive end, and J.C. Jackson at cornerback, that's well-rounded on both sides of the ball. However, 
Um, there's just other teams out there. As far as the Bills, too, as much uh, weapons as they stacked up on over the offseason, I feel like if they don't win this offseason, the offensive coordinator's got to go because they have so many weapons on that offense. There's no excuse for them, their offense to not carry them to the Super Bowl on that side of the ball alone. I mean, I do like Buffalo this season. Um, you know, with them losing Dayball and picking up Ken Dorsey as the O.C., there might be some growing pains. I mean, reports we've heard so far to training camp so far to start the season is that Dorsey and Allen have been hitting it off, that there's not really much change to the offense, um, maybe just a few tweaks here and there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, but I feel like the other big thing for the Chargers, we got to see, you know, what's going to come down to as far as health and coaching. I feel like those are the two things that have kind of derailed this team over the past two seasons. Um, Derwin James, we got to see if he can stay healthy for a full season. Austin Eckler, I mean, he's had his nicks here and there. The Keenan Allen's had a few nicks, Mike Williams. But then what we saw last year from a coaching standpoint, the Chargers were one of the more aggressive teams that actually, you know, chose to go for it on a lot of fourth downs. Uh, we thought we saw where that even cost them in the final game of the season, though, that I believe what that Monday night game against the Raiders, where they went for it early on fourth down in like their own territory and they didn't pick it up. And the Raiders just carried the momentum from there to end up kicking the game winning field goal to get a playoff spot and send the Chargers home. So, you know, things like that has Brandon Staley learned from that. You know, are they going to be able to bounce back from that? Can they move on, move forward? Has he gotten better with some of that decision making? Those will all be factors into whether they even make the playoffs this year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I feel like they're at least nine, ten wins. I mean, they have the pieces, man. The squad's there. It's just injuries, coaching, and can they actually do it? I don't know, fans. Why don't you tell us in the comments? We got a four-minute video for you guys to watch their top ten plays from last season leading up into this week one. We got this upcoming weekend. Third down and two. Edwards Hilaire oh. into the air and picked up by Nwosu. What a play by Uchenna Nwosu. And he's he gets flat. Exactly what you're supposed to do. Look to the right side, the number of bodies for the Bengals. Extra offensive lineman, Carmen. Mixon ah, coughs it up, and it's scooped up. Nobody is going to catch him. Tavon Campbell all the way. Touchdown, Chargers. And Herbert and the Chargers looking at a third and ten at the Denver 17-yard line. There he goes. Rolling, throwing. End zone grabbed at the back of the end zone and ruled a touchdown. Get out of here, Jared Cook. <laughs> um, clean catch. Yep, one foot. Looks like he got there. You have no idea. <laughs> I subtract. Do I add? Out of the pocket. Herbert sets. Home run ball is hauled in. Mike Williams, a big play downfield against Darius Slay. McManus kicks it off. Roberts will take it out. A yard deep in the end zone. Looking to get to the outside. Cuts it upfield. He can fly. Andre Roberts. Oh, it's a race. And Andre Roberts is going to go. Touchdown, Chargers. 101 yards. Playing on his eighth. NFL team Roberts does it again 
and again. College track at the Citadel. 120 scrimmage yards for Eckler tonight. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. High steps his way in for the touchdown. What a game this is. To rectify that. Here's the 10th play. Wide open through his hands and a diving interception made at the five yard line. Wilson's numbers have been actually pretty good in the second half. Got to get off to a better start, settle down, and he's obviously done that so far for New York. Take the handoff. Herbert's got time. Herbert, end zone. Battle caught. Touchdown, Geiki. Justin Herbert. A howitzer of an arm in a matchup with Jesse Bates. 44 yards. Some shot was put down the middle of the defense. Try and throw it high and give him a chance. To the tight ends had a big night. Herbert fires and into the end zone. It is Palmer with a touchdown. The rookie out of Tennessee. Sleep on Palmer on the back side of that thing. What a play. Herbert firing, and it is going to be caught in the end zone by the big body, Mike Williams. Insanity. This is just insane. You're going to see the double team on the far left-hand side. You had Hayward on the end. You saw it come to fruition right there on that play. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Touchdown, Chargers. What a throw. Well, when you see him right here in the slot, here's the deal. When he's rolling that way and your quarterback's under duress, nobody feels like they can throw it that far, right? You feel like you're pretty good shape right there if you're Logan Ryan. They're like, there's no way the dude's going to throw it 55, 60 yards in the air. Oh, guess what? Yeah, he can. What do you guys think as far as that goes when it comes to those Chargers highlights from last year? Do you think that with them having eight players in the top 100 ranking this year, do you think that they will make the Super Bowl? Are you out on this? Or do you think that they won't make the Super Bowl with those top eight players in the top 100? So James and I definitely gave you some great takes on that. With that, though, we've come to the middle part of the show where we need to take the comments from the fans from the medial mayhem. Let's see what's going on with that. Looks like we've got some comments from a couple guys on YouTube right now. John Kimball says, what's up, guys? What's up, John Kimball? Thank you for joining us again. You were here uh, for the last episode and uh, just recently started watching. We definitely appreciate the uh, the comments, especially going back and forth with uh, some of the trolls we've had, I guess. Uh, Derek says, James, excited to see James up in here again. A fan of James. Chargers won't make the playoffs, says John Kimball. How do you feel about that, James? This is pretty far-fetched on that one. I'm, I mean, I could see it, but... I want to say they do make the playoffs. I don't think they make the Super Bowl, but I want to say they do make the playoffs. But, I mean, if they didn't, like we said, man, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me. 
they got a lot to get through in that own in their own division before they can even sniff the playoffs. Hey, they at least they don't have this guy coaching for them for this situation. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Absolutely. I mean, I like if Jim Mora had this Chargers roster, though, he probably would. We probably would have never heard that quote. But you know, mm-hmm. no. So with he wishes that, he probably had a roster like this. Yeah, I bet you he does, because he probably would still be coaching. You know, I don't know. But by this point, he might have retired because he's kind of up there. But who knows? He uh, he might. As far as uh, as far as the comments, though, they continue on with John Kimball says playoffs. So I guess he continues on by saying they won't make the playoffs. Oh, he's correcting himself. Chargers will win the Super Bowl, says Derek. What about maybe that he's a fan? One? I mean, but hey, gotta love it. Support your team, rep your squad. That's that's his belief, man. We'll see. I think this. <laughs> I think this too. Damn! And I think this as well. You know, liar, liar. Derek, because... it shows how much he likes the Bills this season. That's all it is. It just has to be. Has to be. Uh, with that, we got another one from Derek. Says Herbert will be MVP. Wow. Right. Man, you... Well, if they get to the Super Bowl, then maybe. Yeah, I feel like he probably will be MVP. So maybe those are kind of like hand in hand. I think Double Mike comes into this. Absolutely. Because are you for real? Do you really think they're going to get that far and Herbert's going to be the MVP? Get out of here with that. Kimball says, no, you jabroni. They don't even make the playoffs. I'm telling you. I mean, Kimball's firing back in there. This is some funny stuff going on YouTube. But with calling him a jabroni, only The Rock has to jump in for that. Jabroni. And The Rock says this, Big Show. Did The Rock call you a jabroni? You're damn right he did. He called 20 others a jabroni as well. Shut your mouth and look at The Rock. Read The Rock's lips. Jabroni. J-A-B-R-O-N-I-X-Y-Z-A-B-C. Oh, it doesn't matter how you spell jabroni. Absolutely. Absolutely. He comes back with... Chargers win next four straight Super Bowls, unlike the Bills. So he's definitely a Bills hater, but we just have to kind of throw this out there, too. Are you doing this with Granny? Stay off the weed. Absolutely. Because you're doing too much of it with these comments that you got coming out of the side of your neck. John Kimball says, what in the blue hell, Derek? Thank you. Thank you, John Kimball, for the defense right there because it's kind of like this with Keanu. Thank you. Thank you, John Kimball. We appreciate it. I challenge you two to a tag team match. DX with Stephanie versus Rock Stone Cold with Sonny. Yeah, he's definitely been watching the past episodes because uh, with 
this the rock said this to stephanie you think you're really special because you've cashed in on the services of one stephanie mcmahon helmsley a two dollar no 50 cent no buy two get one free does anybody have take for a nickel credit what take for a nickel <laughs> and if you wanted to know about your tag team propaganda and the rock is going to make it very simple no convoluted plans no twists, no turns, no plots. And it goes like this. Here's the WWF tag team title. Here's the door. Here's the ceiling. Here's the floor. Here's a man with no testicles. And here's the rock. And here's the people's eyebrow. Here's the people's elbow. And here's the rock's boot. Which means he's going to take it and whip both your candy all over Charlotte. John Campbell's response to that was what? And then John Campbell follows it up with Boston will will NBA championship next year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure with just picking up Malcolm Brogdon that you're going to just be able to just say you're automatically guaranteed a championship over the reigning defending uh, dub city champs that, uh, you know, now have a dynasty definitely locked in place, you know, with that. Um, no, you cannot say that with Boston. What do you, what do you think with that, James? I mean, like we said earlier, man, they're set up roster-wise. I could definitely see it. But like I said, they caught a lot of breaks last year with the whole mess in Brooklyn, um, Middleton being out for the Bucks. Um, what? Did they catch another break? And really, what? Relatively, they stayed healthy as well, being Boston. Like, they stayed relatively healthy as well. We don't know if that's going to play out again this season. Like I said, I doubt Middleton's hurt again for another playoff series. While Brooklyn's in a state of flux, I wouldn't think they'd play that bad again, but you never know, man. But, you know, I like his confidence. I like his confidence. Yeah, you know, there's definitely some wild comments coming from the two of them. This is not even close. Miami Heat will beat the Celtics. Derek. Well, Darrell uh, would like that. Darrell definitely would agree with that. Yeah, I think we go back. <laughs> I think somebody's kind of milking it for him because it's one of those situations that this guy showed up in front of you. You can't handle the truth. That's not happening. You might you might beat them, but you're not going to win the championship. You're not going to beat them in the in the finals and it was in the NBA in the Eastern Finals and then go to no. You're not going to do that, Derek. You need to calm down because that's this is what we do to trolls. Okay. Absolutely. That's what we're doing to trolls. If you're going to get into that movement, Derek, you need to calm it down. We don't want to have to have this conversation again. Thank you. Justin Brown says second or third in AFC West at best. Got to respect KC. Russ can finally cook and Vegas is a wild card in my opinion. 
I mean, it's good. You know, it's a good take. Well, of course, Kansas City, champs until they're champs no more, especially in the AFC West. Russ will get his opportunity to cook out in Denver. Uh, like we said, he's got pieces around him. He's finally got an offensive guy as his coach. We'll see if that pays dividends. And I can't lie, Vegas, man, they overcame a lot last season. For them this year, it should be a little bit more focused on football for them. Maybe they do make it happen. We'll see. Yes, we'll see. It's definitely going to be – it's a it's an interesting take, Justin. We definitely appreciate your comment. Thank you for watching here on the uh, Inner Out Sports Debate. When it comes to these other comments, Derek even goes back into saying that he's not a jabroni, uh, you know, commenting from what we were talking about here with these comments here just a minute ago. So, But with Justin here, thank you for your comment. Uh, John Campbell, thank you for your uh, – if you are John Campbell, I don't know. It looks like you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know who you are. But thank you for defending um, us a little bit in the in the comments while we were talking and going through those first few rounds. That is the first three rounds. We are now to the midway point of the show. Let's go ahead and take this into the next round. The next round that we have is round four. And with that, let's go ahead and take this into the by the numbers segment where we discuss – with this being episode 45. Round four. And with round four, Kenny Easley is the greatest athlete to ever wear the number 45 in all of sports history. How do you feel about this, James? Are you in or are you out on this? I'd say I'm out. So, yeah, I'd say I'm out, um, you know, definitely doing my research for the episode. Looked up Kenny Easley, what, played seven seasons, made the Hall of Fame, five-time pro bowler. Seemed to really be that prototypical safety nowadays back in the 80s. I mean, 6'3", 200 pounds. I mean, flying around back in the 80s, making tackles, playing, making plays for the Seattle Seahawks defense. Definitely is probably something that's more reminiscent of today, maybe um, Cam Chancellor before Cam Chancellor. But – I mean, 45, I mean, we all know who that is, man. It's Mike. It's Michael Jordan. I mean, people might say it's cheating because he had two numbers, 23 and 45. But athletic-wise, all-time greatness, it's Michael Jordan. 45, come on now. He's the only guy in the NBA. Well, I, I give it to Kobe. He's the only guy in the NBA outside of Kobe Bryant that had two probably top-selling jerseys on the same team with two different numbers. Like, come on. Who, who else can claim that? On, on the same team, had two different jerseys, both top sellers. I don't think many other people got that, man. So I'm going Michael Jordan. Uh, James, you were – I thought you were going to say it. I really thought you were going to say it. I, I was gunning for you to say it. I thought you were going to beat me to the punch. I agree with the out, but I disagree with who it is. But I'll go ahead and say I'm out. James, you left out one key thing. I know you you love basketball and football, but you got to look into baseball. And there's one Hall of Fame guy, and I'll say, I'll go ahead and take the close up. Bob Gibson, number forty five, old Bobby G. Bob Gibson. 
definitely had a big impact. Two-time World World Series champion in 1964-1967, a big contributor for the St. Louis Cardinals, played there his entire career from 1959 to 1975. It's a pretty long career, my man. Um, Kenny Easley definitely had a good, a pretty good career for six years. Uh, you know, he's not many people besides Michael Jordan, uh, you know, worn 45 that are notable for it, but James. He wore 45 for a very short period of time. I can't give it to Michael Jordan for his short flash in the pan. He's known for number 23. He didn't win championships with number 45, James. Kenny Easley didn't win championships with 45. But you know who did? You know who did, James? Athlete. Oh, Bobby G. Athlete. You said athlete. Baseball is athletic, too. What are you you talking about? Greatest athlete. Yeah. Greatest athlete. Athlete. Did the man wear 45 or did the man not wear 45? He wore oh, a flash in the pan. He didn't achieve anything. And it was a hell of a flash. It was a flash we all know, love, and remember. For in the number 45. In 45. There were great flashes in 45. Like Putting what, up 55 in the garden. You, you don't remember that? Dropping 55 in the garden. Did he win championships for 45? Bruh. Not everybody wins championships in every number they wore. But you said greatest Come athlete. Come on, James! You said greatest <laughs> athlete. And for me, that's why you asked me my opinion. It's Michael okay. Jordan. You can have Bob Gibson, Tipson, Mipson. You can take Bob. Bob was playing back in the day when won't nobody even watching. Well, that might have been the only time somebody was watching baseball was back in the day. Nope, Bob doesn't register, bro. I'm sorry. I thought you were gonna pick Bob. Bob doesn't register, bro. I'm very surprised at this, but you're you're holding your ground. I respect it. We will agree to disagree on this one. You you your stance is is Jordan. My stance is Bob Gibson. Fans, let us know in the comments what you think. Um, I mean, they might think, have another 45. You, you they they might. I, I, I besides Kenny Easley. Now, I didn't even. I, I knew Jordan did it, but I didn't even put him into the equation or think of him because he didn't really wear it for too long. But I see where you're coming from. I, I'll give you that. But what do the fans think? What do, what do the fans think with that? But other than that, when it comes to um, you know, some time, and we've definitely got some time on the vault here, me and James with the show. We definitely want to go back and uh, acknowledge that and what we've started to do here with the, pre- the past episode, and that's called the Highlight HQ, the Highlight Headquarters, just outside of the vaults of fame, producing highlights of previous episodes. This is James' third time. Let's go ahead and check that out for a second. And I say this because when it comes to numbers, when, when, we, when we look at – baseball or football or basketball and we think of the greatest athletes of all time if you were to divide them up into the numbers that they actually play with and this is why i call this one by the numbers tony gwynn is the best to ever wear the number 19 of all sports athletes ever how do you feel about that james when you think of all the athletes who have ever worn past present we can't go future because we don't have a time machine. But if you think of past and present, Tony Gwynn, is he the best one to ever wear the number 19? Are you in or out? I'd have to say that again. I think I'm out on this one. Okay. So, yes, Tony Gwynn, when you look at his career, he's got the numbers. He's got what point when he's got the 338 batting average. He's got over 3,000 hits. Uh, he's a left-handed. So I feel like I'm betraying a fellow lefty on this take. But when I think of number 19 throughout the history of sports, 
there is one guy that comes to mind. And for a lot of newer generation, they may not know, but for those that do, that have followed the game of football since the beginning of time, they know when you think number 19, you think of Johnny U, Johnny United for the Baltimore Colts back in the day. I mean, this was a guy who he was, in a sense, the Peyton Manning of his day, or you could say Peyton Manning was the Johnny United of his day. This was a guy who, at the line of scrimmage, was the best quarterback for his time. I mean, Johnny Unitas, the, he pretty much the forward pass, that, that was his bread and butter at a time where football was, what, three yards in a cloud of dust from running the ball all the time. I mean, if you look at go back and look at some of his numbers, he was posting 3,000-yard seasons back in the 50s and 60s. Like, if memory serves me correct, I think, what, his total – his single highest ever passing rating, his single highest ever passing yards for a season was what, 3,481 yards? That came in 1963. And that's comparable to some quarterbacks that play in the NFL today. And he threw that for a season back in 1963 on only about 50% passing completion. If you tie that into nowadays where guys are hitting 60, 70% of their passes, you're talking about he could have had nearly what? about another 1,000 yards, about a 4,400-yard season. So, I mean, when I think of number 19, man, I'd have to go with Johnny Unitas. He's got the stats. He's got the nostalgia. And he's also got the wins. He's got NFL championships before the Super Bowl. And then he also won a Super Bowl himself. So, I mean, I got to go with Johnny Unitas, greatest number 19 there was. You you hit it right on the head, and I I agree with you on this. I'm out on this as well. Here with this one, James. This one's a special one. Remember, the Titans should be considered as the greatest sports movie of all time. Fans, what do you think? We're almost at the midway point. The mid, the middle mayhem, the medial mayhem is going to be here after this round. What do you think? Do you guys think that the Remember the Titans should be considered as the greatest sports movie of all time? James, what do you feel about this? Are you in or are you out? I'm in, man. I mean, definitely, man. I'm in. I mean, how could you not hold Remember the Titans up there as one of the greatest of all time? I mean, from the acting to the story itself. And, you know, a bit of a homer take, but it took place here in Virginia, up at T.C. Williams, up in Northern Virginia, man. But, I mean, it's a great story, and it also happens to involve a game that we all love, football, and it involves sports. But just the story itself, bringing men together from different walks of life to come together to accomplish a common goal, of being perfect out there on that field. I mean, that's a movie that you can take so much away from, not only from a sports perspective, but how we should go about living our lives as individuals as well, man. So great story, great acting. I mean, I hold it up there as one of the highest, man. So I'm in all the way. I like your take and everything. I I disagree, and you'll see why here in a second. With everything you said about being in Virginia and the story and everything behind it, I love the movie. It's It's in my top three of all time. I really wanted to put this at one. However, I have to disagree. I'm going out. I've got remember the Titans at three and I remember back in eighth grade because it was two, the year 2000. That's how old I am. I was in eighth grade 
back then and we got to watch remember the titans in one of our classes in our history class or civics class something like that for like two or three days or it was broken down to where we could watch 40 minutes it was and i fell in love with it. i didn't get to go to the movie theater and see it but i remember reading about the story and stuff you know growing up being a sports buff even as a young kid and it was it was one of my favorite movies of all time but if i were to say the greatest sports movie of all time i gotta go with a league of their own with the way they, they showed the the women's sports filling in for a while, the men were at war back in World War II, um, and how that basically took place of the MLB and, and kept baseball alive um, for that short period of time. Tom Hanks and the other uh, actors and actresses in that movie made that movie. Uh, number two, I'm sticking with baseball as well. Um, Bull Durham. Bull Durham is, is my number two, uh, just because you get to see – uh, the, the minor league system and just Kevin Costner and the other actors and stuff in there within that movie. I believe that's too. I got remember the Titans at three um, field of dreams at four, even though it's not really like a sports team movie, but you know, it's still um, the, the story, the story behind that. And then I got to go Friday night lights at five. And that was the highlight headquarters right there showing the previous uh, episodes that James is part of here with episode 19, uh, 18, oh, 19, my apologies, and episode 28 were the two episodes. And now we're at episode 45. James is definitely locking them up here in the vault. With that said, we do have another round to go to. We're going to check this out with the final round. Final round. Here with the final round, going to a team that James definitely knows very well, the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter would be a better choice at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons than Marcus Mariota. How do you feel about this, James? Are you in or are you out on this? I'm out. So, yeah, I'm definitely out. Um, I love what Ritter displayed in the preseason. Um, showed a lot of promise um, and towards being possibly the guy of the future. But I think as of right now, for this moment, for this season, this team belongs to Marcus Mariota. I mean, they brought him in to be that starter for this team, and he's shown the dividends. He's come to camp. He's been in shape. He's looked great. The preseason action we have got to see, he's been able to come in, make plays, make adjustments, make throws. Hopefully he can just, you know, expand on that once the season starts um hopefully he'll stay healthy as well because in my opinion that's the only way i really see ritter seeing the field this year Mariota has to be hurt or the falcons have to be out of playoff contention early on in the season and they just need to get him some reps but i feel like marcus Mariota's come in he's done a great job he's earned his starting role on this team and i'm honestly excited to see what he does this year with the falcons i mean a lot of people got to remember like you know he was a second overall pick coming out of college. He was also a Heisman Trophy winner. While it didn't go exactly as planned in Tennessee, he did have some moments with the Titans. He had some great games, some great seasons. He did get them to the playoffs. Um, what the one playoff memory I do have is what when he threw that one pass, it got batted down. He caught it and ran it in for the touchdown himself. So I mean, he, the magic's there. It's just you know, can he stay healthy? You know, is Atlanta Atlanta's giving him a real shot? He's getting his opportunity to come back around. Um, we saw Ryan Tannehill do it to him in Tennessee. Maybe he's learned from – hopefully he's learned from that. We saw him back up Derek Carr out in Vegas with the Raiders. Hopefully he's learned from that as well. He's able to come back, propel him into a winning season this year for the Falcons, hopefully. 
You're absolutely right with this. And, you know, when, when you put this into the equation and you really think about this, when it comes to a kid who's, I don't trust anybody that's born this late in the 90s yet. When it comes to, we've talked about this on Legacy on Fire, James. I don't trust Kenny Pickett because he was born in 1998. And I sure don't trust him born in 1999. I'm out on this as well. Desmond Ritter, rookie, hasn't been around enough to really learn. And uh, he definitely needs to, to sit back and learn because he's, he's not as advanced as someone like Kenny Pickett or some other quarterbacks that we would even possibly consider to be um, starting at quarterback. It's a QB1. Uh, Mr. Bixke has already been announced as a starting quarterback in Pittsburgh, so we already know how that is. So if you kind of put that in and in, in weigh that into your pros and your cons, that's why you definitely don't want to put Ritter in the QB1 at Atlanta. He needs to learn a little bit more. Uh, the highlights will definitely play here of his preseason. Definitely look pretty decent. But as far as um, it, it, he needs a little bit more than just these preseason highlights, we need to see maybe him come in towards uh, some cleanup duty in a game or whatnot. Hopefully, you know, there's no injuries or whatnot. We don't want to see him come in for that case. But maybe to help out and, like, blow out wins, whether blow out loss or blow out win at some point and see what you got with the second string. But at this point, I think the highlights will speak for themselves. He needs a little bit more work. Let's let the fans think. Ritter, good throw and complete. On first and goal, play fake. There's Hesse again. This time he hauls it in for the touchdown. Filing back on the sideline and back home here in Detroit. Ritter takes off. He's got some space. Talked about his speed. Pressure up the middle he goes. And Ritter escapes. He's got the first down again with his legs. Ritter, pocket collapsing. Extends the play. Let's it fly. And it's caught. Oh, my goodness. Somehow, Ritter pulls a rabbit out of his hat. Jeer's single setback. Fake it to him. Picks up the blitz, set up the screen. And Michael Pruitt, the tight end, for the two-minute warning. Chance for another shot. Ritter will step and fire, and there it is, complete. It's Bernhardt. Ritter completed his first seven passes. He's looking for the other more. Side. Found his target, Bernhardt. You were like, oh my God. That dude's a monster. <laughs> Jets found him in the fourth There round. it is. Over the middle, beautiful ball. Third and eight. Ritter has his man open, and that is Demir Bird. See where Ritter goes with it. Ritter goes to Algier. Algier reaches for the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, Big Tim and Tangelo, they out there making big plays, and uh, Dula was a good ad for us, and uh, so I was excited to see him make some plays. Looking up at his coach as he. But with that being said, how do you feel about that when it comes to um, when it comes to the you know him and, and and all that being said when it comes to him and, and the rookiness you know with all that what do you think about his his highlights there James what do you think? So for our audience, the preference Drew doesn't start or like any quarterback. I believe that wasn't born ninety five and up. So like mm -hmm. you know if you were, if your birth certificate has anything you know ninety six and down, you know you're out of luck in Drew's book. Um, but like I said, Ritter showed promise in the pre in the um, preseason training camp. Being able to see the highlights, he showed promise. Being able to come in and handle adversity, 
Um, what that first game where we played the Detroit Lions had a lot of drops. Receivers weren't really catching the ball for him well. He was able to handle that, prolong it into a game-winning drive to um, Jared Bernhardt in the corner, in the front corner of the end zone to win that one. Looked good against the Jets, had some great throws, had some great runs as well. So, you know, we're seeing him being able to use his legs, being able to know I right, the pockets, breaking down, the play is not there. I need to get out, get some positive yards, and throw the ball away. And then we even saw him come some over, overcome some adversity in the final game against the Jags, where I believe, what, first play of the game, he throws a pick, like, deep down the field. And he was able to come back from that, take the team on a, what, I believe, what, we went on, what, maybe two scoring drives or something after that. But, like, you know, we're seeing the flashes. The flashes are there. The talent's there. It's just, you know, molding it, making sure it's developing at the right pace so that next season, that's where you really want him to hit his stride if you're a Falcons fan, even if you're on the coaching staff. You want to see what he can bring you given a, going into next season because that's when you really want him to hit the ground running, being able to come into camp, take hold of the offense, take hold of the team, with saying, hey, look, you're the guy. This is your squad. Go out there, get us some wins. So as long as he's progressing towards that, I think we're in a good spot. Yeah, I, th- I believe so too. It's not right this time. You know, I'm definitely with you on that. It's just it's time to let Marcus Marietta get get his chance to show if he can lead this team or not and uh, kind of help mold Desmond Ritter into being something that you might be able to see down the line. You know, who knows? But in this current juncture, I don't believe so. And with that, I feel like maybe we should take this into our comments from the fans to see what they think as far as this quarterback situation. <laughs> With that, we do have some comments to go through. Guys, thank you again for your comments to help keep this thing going. When it comes to the number 45, trick question, Michael Jordan, baby. So you're definitely with James on that one. Definitely agrees. Gibson is still the best to wear 45. Thanks for the backup there, John Kimball. Remember, the Titans is the best of all time. So working both sides, definitely agreeing with James that the uh, remember the Titans is the best of all time. Jordan is best at 23, not 45, says Derek. Rolling up in here with that heat. Marcus Mariota is going to have a career year, in my opinion, says Dio. Shout out to Dio for being a part of the show. Thank you very much for the comment there. Atlanta will surprise people, may not make the playoffs, but they are going to be competitive every week. So that's that's some that's some love for your team there, James. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. If that comes into fruition, but we'll save the soundbite for uh, for when when that comes into fruition. See if that happens. Justin Brown says, "Stop leading lambs to slaughter. Don't throw the kid out there just to get fourth in a division, just to say he showed flashes." Talking about uh, talking about there with Ritter. So being careful with him. Ritter should start so he can get rookie of the year. I don't feel like you get rookie of the year if he started. Uh, that's my opinion. Well, no, think, I feel James? like, you know, rookie of the year pretty much can be a quarterback award. I mean, what Chase won it last year because he had the standout year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this year's class, again, I feel like if none of the rookie quarterbacks play, it'll probably be another skill player guy. But I feel like if one of the rookies does play and he plays well, he'll probably get rookie of the year. I mean, it's a QB award. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think he's, he's going to play or – Hopefully not by injury. It'd be because Marcus Mariota is just terrible if that happens to be, and they got to see what they got with this pick. John Campbell follows up with, no, Derek, you can't handle the truth. And, again, you know, that's definitely true, so we might as well play. You can't handle the truth. 
Absolutely. Thank you, John Campbell, for throwing that at him. Falcons will suck again, guys. Come on. Wow. English, motherfucker. Do you speak it? I mean, absolutely. Say the Chargers want to make four straight Super Bowls. So, you know. I think this is how Charles Barkley would handle it when if, if he saw this troll right now. Barkley would pick Krispy Kreme donuts for the first pick. Well, so I, I, look, look at your fat ass, too. <laughs> Don't you sit me talking about it. Put that dude picture back up. Do not go to commercial break. This fat Laker fan. Look at this big old. He going to talk about me eating donuts. Look at this fat ass. Are you kidding me? TK, that's my new number Come one. Come on. Look at his stomach. Look at his gut. Big baby Jonathan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> big, big baby. <laughs> he gonna call me talk about Christopher fantasy and shit. And then he would have followed that up with That's terrible. Absolutely. Absolutely with that comment right there. Come on, Derek. Justin then final final comment of the show is as a devout post two thousand five bandwagon Pats fan, start starting young quarterbacks hasn't worked in my favor at least. I mean, Mac made it to the playoffs last season. I mean, you got a lot to overcome in that division in the AFC East. I feel like the quarterback play is probably the least of your worries right now. You got to fill out the roster around your quarterback position in New England. At least that's my opinion. Yeah. It's it's only time will tell with that. I mean, Mac Jones' second year. So, I mean, he definitely did play pretty well, in my opinion, last year to kind of fill the shoes of – um, you know, Tom being gone, you know, for the second year at that point, because uh, Cam didn't, and you know, Cam, eh, but you know, Cam's just too beat up. He's not what he was, you know, back with his MVP year. He's been too beat up over the course of his career, so um, he couldn't be that guy. And luckily, they have a young enough quarterback that we'll see in the next two years or so if Mac Jones becomes that guy in New England. So far, it's looking pretty good for you. Um, you just need to give it a little bit more time because, um, in in our opinion, you know. Just keep investing into Mac Jones. We got to see what you got with that. You, you don't want to dump him and go for the next one just yet, yet. You know, more time, more weapons, more protection. Absolutely. You know, thank you guys for the comments and being a part of the show. Um, that was the um, the mayhem culmination. With that, it is definitely time to acknowledge James getting vaulted once again. Acknowledge me. And here with the Vault of Fame, James is now inducted into the Vault of Fame for a third time. He is a three-time Vault of Fame inductee. James Brown is here again with episode 45. Up next on Legacy Maker Sports Network, we have the Legacy on Fire tomorrow, episode 37 at 7 p.m. tomorrow on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Next week, just as mentioned earlier with the breaking news, episode 46, Monday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, as well as episode 47, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. When it comes to the in or out sports debate, you can find it on the Legacy Maker Sports Network platforms on Monday and Tuesdays as well. When it comes to the Legacy Maker Sports Network, here are the handles listed for the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn handles. Coming soon will be the TikTok as well. When it comes to everything, you can find it at LegacyMakerSports.com. When it comes to the in or out sports debate, you can find it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch, as well as the audio platforms listed here with Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Prime, Anchor.fm, and you can also download on iTunes. 
Again, we are here for episode 45, gone through the final rounds and everything to the point to where all we have left here is the final word with episode 45. You know, James, everything in sports, you know, with everything we talked about to the five rounds with the back and forth with the fans, just NFL week one is coming up. What's going through your mind in the world of sports right now with this final word? Um, so I want to kind of take it to college football, kind of keeping it from a homer perspective. I don't know if anybody of a lot of people watch, but if you saw the Hokies travel down to Norfolk Friday night to play ODU, WTF. That's the only thing I can respond to. Bruh, I don't know what Brent Pry has these guys doing up in Blacksburg, but they're clearly not taking the Kool-Aid. I don't know how you drop the opening game of the season to a Division II school in ODU. You had the lead late. You had a 10-point lead. The defense, which was probably the best part of the Hokies, off, the Hokies team the whole game, the defense finally broke. They finally failed. They collapsed. Quarterback play was atrocious. I mean, Grant Wells transferred in from Marshall. He won the starting job. It was a, Apparently, it was a QB competition, but I couldn't tell from the way he played. My man's went out there and slung four interceptions. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't get it. But it looks like it's a long rebuild ahead of the Hokies in Blacksburg. Um, I'd like to think Pry is a guy that can come in and get the job done. But if this first game was any indication – he could be out sooner than we thought because, like, that that was terrible. That was atrocious. Like, we can't have no more of that. They need to get that fixed before Boston College rolls into town up at Lane Stadium this Saturday night. Like, that that was god-awful. Yeah, man, it's, you know, with college football being back, you know, with NFL being back, it's, it's definitely going to be a wild next, you know, September and October. These two months are very impactful to both college and professional football. Just we've got football back. It's great to be a part of it. With my final word, I want to kind of go with the half and half here. I want to use this time to acknowledge that as well, that we've got football back, that I'm very excited uh, we're at episode 45 again. I can't say it enough. We are at episode 45 of the Inner Out Sports Debate. I did not think that we would be at this many episodes going into week one of the NFL season. And now we've got 17, 18, well, 18 straight regular season weeks because everybody has a bye to discuss NFL with this show. So looking forward to it. Thank you again, James, for coming back now for the third time as a 30-time Vault of Fame inductee. But with my final word, I want to kind of go back with what the comments were, uh, from the fans are being said. Uh, we've got uh, a few more comments. So I kind of want to take this time with a final word to acknowledge. And Justin comes back in and says, no, oh, no, we already went over that one. Justin then says, no, Bama QB has ever succeeded at the next level. I mean, Ken Stabler, Joe Namath, you know, I mean, it, it's been a while. But, you know, they've had guys. It's been a while, though. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust a Bama quarterback nowadays, but, you know, they've had guys over the year. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit far-fetched saying that never. I mean, maybe in our time frame, yes. But when it comes to the truth. You can't handle the truth. Because that's not true. So you got to brush back up on that. Sorry, my man. That's it's not true. Darrell comes back in and says, James, Joe, and Drew, Legacy on Fire, episode 37. 
tomorrow at 7 p.m. And, guys, let me go ahead and put that graphic back up here for you guys to see that again. Here's the advertisement. Tomorrow, episode 37, tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, with our guy Darrell Owens and Joe Diller Jr. of the Legacy Maker Sports Network and Commonwealth Sports Talk with that comment right there. Derek then comes back in. Legacy on fire is fire. Yes. And with that, Derek, we can definitely give you a little bit more of a shout out. We can kind of go into this. Absolutely. You get that love there, Derek. Thank you for the comment. Thank you for being a part of this, even though some of your comments were far-fetched today. Along with some other ones. Justin Brown is back with one more saying, sorry, I'm a millennial fan. We appreciate your honesty, um, but uh, at the same time. Because we got to keep it 100 up in here. We got to, we got to, we need you to do this as well. Stay off the weed. No, we're just kidding. That was mainly for Derek. We had to do that one more time. That was, that was for him. But, uh. But thank you guys for the comments. Thank you for being a part of this episode 45. Thank you for being a part of all of these episodes, as mentioned, 45 times here throughout this tenure. But with that, we've gone through the final word. We've gone through everything. James, thank you again for being part of this show. Um, without the, uh, it, would, it wouldn't be anything without you guys. You know, I definitely need two to tango and sometimes three, as you've seen with the trios edition. We've got some more episodes scheduled ahead. Thank you guys for being here as always. For James Brown, I'm Drew Willingham. We only have one thing left to do up in here, and that's one bat. Watch one badass outro on the way out the door. Thank you again. Mm.